Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into a special episode of Burgundy Radio. We recorded way too much this week between everything that happened with the last few Avalanche games as they started to turn things around, but also what you're about to hear, which is a full roster breakdown from A to Z of how we feel everybody on the team has kind of done this year. If you missed the episode from Sunday night, Monday morning, it's me, it's Earl, it's Jackie, and we are here to pass a little bit of judgment. So Detroit was game 49 for the Avalanche. The halfway mark was eight games ago, but this feels like the midway point of the year. Let's take a few minutes in lieu of doing anything like Stars and Scratches today and look at each player on the roster so far for the Avs, and we'll give them a grade. Not a letter grade, because that just makes people fight over whether it should be a B plus or a C minus or whatever. <laughs> uh, we'll give them a grade of either pass, fail, or I guess we can do like an awesome for better than pass or something, and incomplete for guys without much playing time, but generally we're looking at a pass-fail here. So this is an alphabetical order, so it's essentially random. And I'm relying on the very baseline stats here. No fancies, unless we need to bring them up for some reason, because fancies are great for lengthy analysis and really not interesting podcast material sometimes. Go, go. First up on the list, because his name starts with a B, this is not alphabetized. It looks like it's alphabetized. Oh, it's alphabetized by first name. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Avalanche that's website. Right. That's even more random. Um, so, Andre Burakovsky, 46 games, 15 goals, 18 assists for 33 points. He has 8 points on the power play. He's shooting 17%, which is not low. It's not 28 like it was early in the season, either. <laughs> I'll give him a uh, pass. I yeah, think... I, 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 I agree. He's met expectations, and he's he's been better than I expected. The shots for real. He could definitely create offense, but it's still very streaky. So I don't, I still don't completely believe he's a top six player, or at least a set and forget one. But he's put up points. He's done his job. He's been a good addition. So he yeah, gets I mean, pass for me. I, I'm impressed with him because. He sort of reeks of power play specialist, but he's only got one power play goal out of his 15. Um, well, I mean, it's this team, so... Yeah, that, that should tell you something. <laughs> that should be an indictment of the power play, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but that also says that he's been scoring at even strength, so... Um, I, I think that's probably the part of his game that's impressed me, is that he he's been able to... Uh, jump up a line or two from where he was in Washington and and, and keep up offensively. Uh, he went through a stretch where he wasn't shooting very much, which we all kind of noticed and, and weren't too happy with, but that seems to be getting a little bit better lately. And I, I do think over the past couple of weeks, he's played a little bit better than sort of during December. So I'm kind of happy where he is right now. Yeah, I think a pass is a good place to land on Burakovsky, kind of for all the reasons that you just said. Because like early in the season, he would have been an exceeds expectations player, no questions asked. Yeah. But then if you looked at like just the six weeks before Christmas, he's kind of a fail player. So it it all evens out to to be somewhere in in the middle of the pass area. Next on the list is Kale McCarr, who has played 41 games, 11 goals, 26 assists. His 37 points are second on the team. He has 15 points on the power play. He's taken 86 shots on goal, which leads the blue line by not a small number. 
Yeah, and that's surprising, actually, because he's had trouble consistently shooting the puck. Like, he could shoot it even more. But then again, you get back to what Bednar said. If he's waiting for a better play, that's okay. He he can wait for a better play. Guys like Nieto, no. But Makar can wait for a better play. And think of how many shots on goal and points he would have if he hadn't hit like a dozen posts in, in December. Yeah. Or missed eight no, I, games. Or missed eight I, games. I would give him an, an awesome or honors or summa awesome cum laude or whatever. I'll give him an awesome plus. <laughs> plus, 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 plus. He's been... <laughs> you get an A! Plus, 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 plus. We, we expected a lot, but I think he's even exceeded our expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to end up, you know, assuming he's able to deal with the rigors of, of the very difficult tempo of the schedule for the rest of the year. Um, you know, he's going to end up with a lot of points. So, yeah, he's you know, I, I, I think just short of a point a game pace as a yeah, rookie I mean, blue liner. Yeah, he should be in the 60s, which is insane. Next up, Colin Wilson, nine games and then out for injury. Incomplete. Who? Yes. Next up. I wonder if he is coming back, but they don't need him. <laughs> X I bet he wonders too. Next on the list, Eric Johnson, 38 games, one goal, eight assists. He's got only 12 minutes in penalties, which I think matters. Um, he's got 65 shots on goal, not much of a shooting percentage with those. He's got about three swims per game, two successful, one terrifying. EJ is a tough one. I, I still give him a pass because I think... He does do a lot of important things he doesn't necessarily get credit for, but even Bednar's reducing his time on ice, like, significantly. I think we've all felt like he should have it reduced, but sometimes he's one of the lower five-on-five. Five. So that part's kind of interesting, but I, I'm not going to say to the point that he's played poorly. Like you said, the penalty minutes aren't high. He's not really doing anything bad, I don't think. I just think his effectiveness is starting to decline. I, I think I think probably he came back or started the season from his injury a little too soon. I, you know, he could have been out as long as you know, maybe Thanksgiving or so, ended up starting the season on time. I think that might have been too soon. And I don't think he played very well in, in October and November, and, and lots of people echo that. But like we've talked about over the past couple of shows, since he had his lower body injury and had some time off and finally probably got that shoulder to heal completely, I think he's been fine since then. And nothing flashy. He's not scoring. I don't think they care if he scores or not. They want him to take some penalty minutes, penalty kill minutes. They want him supporting Sam and shutting down the top lines and and that's basically what he's done since then so i'd say i'd give him a fail for the fall but a pass since then ej's a tough one right because i i really think he's a guy who does a lot of things like like jackie was saying ej does a lot of things he doesn't get credit for but when he makes a mistake it's really blinkingly obvious that he's 
made a gigantic mistake. It's like yeah. EJ's like solid, 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 solid. Oh my god, solid, 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 solid. <laughs> so those those big fail moments really stand out. Um, I don't know how much credit we want to give him for eating up a lot of penalty kill minutes because the penalty kill is booty, but. Overall, yeah, he's not great on the penalty kill, but is that his fault? That that's yeah. I think the penalty kill system is pretty bad, so yeah, it's, yes, that could be part of it. Yeah, it's very passive. I think. I mean, EJ was part of the resurgence of the penalty kill last spring, so okay. I tend to think he's okay at it. So we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on that area for now, and all settle on a middling pass. Gabe Landeskog has. 33 games played this season, missed quite a bit with some uh, injury stuff. 13 goals, 8 assists, a little bit of a Cy Young line there. He's got 33 penalty minutes. He's got 8 points on the power play, shooting 14%, which I'm not, I don't have his career number in front of me, but that seems elevated. And the number that stands out to me is 90 shots on goal, because... I really don't remember him shooting very much during games, and uh, you know, I <laughs> what is he doing? Because <laughs> he just he hasn't been getting the camera time he got last year, um, as far as making plays and tipping pucks and things like that. So, I, well, I guess stopped. for me, the, he has the, eight assists. <laughs> he's not making plays. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're trying to turn him into Anders Lee or something like that, and I. I you know, I think that's kind of neglecting a part of his offensive skills that Anders Lee doesn't have. And so, I don't know. I, I'm not wild about that, but maybe that's his choice. I don't know. I mean, I agree that the assist number is alarming, because how much does he play with Nathan McKinnon, who's got 30 goals? Right. And I know that his honor shooting percentage is one of the lower on the team, so that's probably a little bit of it, but... Right, he plays on the top line with the best players on the top power play unit whenever they do manage to score. It's kind of crazy. He has such low number of assists. <laughs> yeah. For me, I think I'd have to settle on fail. And it's tough because it's this is not like you don't want land in the lineup or anything crazy like that. But relative to expectations, relative to... It, what he's supposed to bring to the team, uh, he can do better. And I know the injury yeah. was tough and he missed some time, but there's been way too many games where you didn't notice much from him. And I know that he does some of the defensive heavy lifting and things like that, and he's an important player of the team, but. I'm not I even sure he's doing that much of, of that kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I seriously. Just can't say that he's met expectations so far yeah. this year and it's tough when you look at the season he had last year and this year he's gonna i i mean he might make 50 points um he's gonna have to have a hell of a last 33 games to do it but um he, he's gonna have know, to that, really a, get his tip drill on yeah <laughs> or or you know expand his game once again back to where you know, he's not just sitting there looking for tips or being the bumper or whatever. Um, you know, one thing I'd love to see, and I I know we'd all like to see this, is that, you know, being the low to high passer from behind the net on the power play, hey, try it, it works. Um, so, 
but yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, I'd, I'd have to give him a fail too. And, and you know, whatever the factors that are going into it, injuries, fatherhood, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's just when you come down from the season he had last year, it's going to be tough to, to back it up. Yeah, we, we all expected a step back from last season. I think we all knew that that was probably like a career peak for Gabe Landeskog last season. But we we need a little bit more than this. Yeah. And I, I do wonder how much of it is kind of the new dad syndrome because he's been very open about how much he loves this new role in his life. And that that's great, but we, we see that all the time where players will have a kid and then struggle to produce on the ice for a while. Just, yeah. Because all of a sudden you got new priorities in your world. Right. Ian Cole, 44 games played, four goals, 19 assists. He's got 28 penalty minutes, which is not a small number either. He he is personally shooting 7.8% as a defender. And he's not sneaking into the back door either. I mean, when he when he shoot when when he scores, it's from the point. Yes. <clears throat> He does have that uh, working for him this year. If it's luck, if it's he's worked on it, if maybe a combination of both. As uh, much as a, I still don't love him as a defender, he has to get a pass. He's he has played his role well, and and the points. Uh, life isn't just about the points, but when you have them, it's nice to have. Yeah, so they aren't, they aren't nothing twins. <laughs> And somehow Cole has managed to work himself to the top of some of these analytics models. So I would love to cash in on that. But um, in general, he's he's had a good season and he deserves a pass. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't like his penalty killing. Um, it's not as bad as it was last year, but I, I tend to think that Maybe they're constructing their penalty kill a little bit around him, and that's kind of a mistake, um, and and that sort of leads to bigger issues. But right, like they can even ease him on the penalty kill and give him a couple more five on five minutes. Yeah, um, but I mean the points are very impressive. Um, you know, I mean he could he could easily end up with forty points, and that would be just insane for someone that doesn't play on the power play ever. Um, and he has cut so, down on the dumb, some of the dumb penalties. Like he was really rolling early in the year. He's yeah. cut, he's cut down on that. Yeah, as the he's whole had time really to recover has. from double goddamn hip surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still not the most mobile fellow. He never has been. So maybe I, I figure a, a lot of times he's about to take a penalty and then Kadri takes one first, and so <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um, I, I, I really struggle with, with Ian Cole because you don't have Ian Cole for, for fall and winter, right? Ian Cole is on your team to be the player who can get away with all the shit that defenders need to get away with as the season comes to an end and especially in the playoffs. Like that's what he's here to do. And the fact that he has found a way to really meaningfully contribute from October forward, especially coming off of double hip surgery is like right on that edge of do we want to say this is an exceeds expectation situation. But I definitely think he's been kind of like writing, you know, the the percentage variance highs. He, he's got a very high 
on ice, both shooting and save percentage, him and Ryan Graves both, spoiler. Um, so it, it's it's really hard to say that he's done a whole lot differently that's led to this point explosion, but easily a pass. Easily pass. Yeah. Yes. JT Comfer has played 46 games. Do we have anyone who's played all 49? Yes. Yeah, I think... McKinnon Mc- and Sam. McKinnon, Sam. Sam. McKinnon and Sam. So JT Comfer's played 46 games, 7 goals, 16 assists. And not a whole lot else worth really talking about in his stat line. I think he's uh, he's he's what he is. Um, every three weeks or so, he'll show up and he'll have a great two-goal game. He's really noticeable. He's forechecking. He's being a pest. Then there's a lot of other games where you don't really notice him do much. And yeah, um, kind of, he is what he is. So, so can you say that he's met expectations, if that's kind of what you expect from him? Yes. Do you hope for a little bit more one of these years, especially since they invested a four-year contract in him? I'd say yes, too. But I don't think it's to the point where I'm going to say fail. He's just kind of their utility bottom six guy that they overplay sometimes. Yeah, I don't want the last word on all these players, so yeah, let me, let me I, jump in here. Uh, <coughs> I, I, I think we have to talk about I'd have to look, but it, I, we have to talk about like whose expectations, right? Because for my expectations, yeah. JT Confer's meeting them. For the expectations of the role that the team has put him in, I don't think he's there. I agree with or, that. Or the contract. The, the contract um, is where I'm assuming his role from. Because if that's the guy you want to commit that much term to through his mid-20s, you're, you're not looking for, you know, a, a guy who will have two goals a month and they're in the same game. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd have to look at, at his season logs, but it seems like he does have multi-point games and a lot of zeros. Um. And given that you know he's on the fourth line a lot, that's that's you know that you're gonna have that. Um, you know, I assume once Donskoy comes back, he'll be back on the fourth line. Um, you know, Nachushkin has pretty much passed him on the depth chart. So yeah, who would have seen that coming? Yeah, and that's you know for again for a guy you just invested a four year contract in and. It, it's tough, and also his penalty killing is brutal. Um, yeah, they need to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's, needs, I like, think that that's part of why he got the contract. But... Is why is there, you know, they're like, oh, here's a guy, you know, he's a good penalty killer. He can contribute offensively, and you know, here he is. He ends up on your fourth line, and he's not getting it done on the penalty kill. So. It, right, it's it's kind of tough for me to give him a pass here. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sticking with pass, but I have there's no arguments for what you both are saying. I mean, mixed grades. <clears throat> we don't have to all agree. I think everybody has a defensible position, and it's definitely worth noting that the last couple of of games, like especially I think this month, JT Comper has played some of his best hockey. So. I guess yeah. worth, worth a mention. Jonas Donskoy, 44 games played, one concussion, 14 goals, 15 assists. I don't, I'm not sure what his career shot is, but he's at 16.7 on the year. That should definitely be high. 
Um, I'm happy with I'm, him. I think I think he's another one where you have to think about the contract. They are tied to him for four years. I guess they could expose him in the expansion draft if they feel like he's declining. But um, he he's doing what they brought him in to do. He's a depth guy. He can move around the lineup. He's someone that you don't mind in the top six. I think he found some chemistry with McKinnon, so that's nice to have in your back pocket that uh, he could take those minutes if someone's injured or if they finally decide Miko or Gabe needs needs kind of a rest game. <laughs> but um, he is kind of what I expected. I don't know. I, I think there's some opinions out there that are probably a little bit higher than mine on him, but I don't think there's any complaints. I, I like Donskoy a lot. Um, I, he, he's exceeded my expectations, which I, I probably were, I, I probably had fairly low expe- expectations. Um, being a benign passenger on a line with McKinnon is, is definitely a good skill to have. Um, it's, I think it's a little harder for him to capitalize when he's with Kadri, and that's sort of what his role should be. So, um, you know, hopefully those guys continue to, to work and get some chemistry going and, and are able to, to produce a little bit more. Um, I'd like to see him a little more on the penalty kill. I, I think he should take some of Comfer's minutes, and, and that might help some things. Yeah, he's, he has some good numbers on the penalty kill. Yeah, and that's that's sort of the aspect of his game that I I really didn't have much expectation for when he signed, just because the Sharks don't really play defense, so it's hard to say <laughs> it, you know what well, someone can do when deal. you get a shark on your team. You know, well, they give him a four-year deal too, so they they had to f- figured some of these things. Yeah. It's, it's been a weird season to me for Don Square, right? Like, especially as, as the season kind of got started, it, it felt like Bednar really struggled to find a role for him. And I don't know that that was necessarily I, Don Square's fault. I think it was just he didn't really know how he wanted to use this player. I think he's still unsure about that second line. But but once once he had his job, it's I think it's a pretty easy pass, even though he definitely has his full chaos moments. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's like a plus defensive forward. He can get exposed. But I think yeah. he works well within a unit. He works well with one or both of Mac and Miko. You don't want to see him on the same line as Gabe Landeskog because their games are too similar. Yeah. So as long as he's got that kind of north-south drive into the crease kind of role, I think he's definitely earned his pass. And if he's not got that role, it's not his fault. Bark Barbario has played 14 games. Do we want to do we want to say anything on this one? He's he's an incomplete for me. I think he's been okay when he's played, but the, yeah, there's just not a whole lot to say about his game. Incomplete. Yeah. He's been fine for what he's been, but it hasn't been enough. I'd give a pass. I mean, he does what's asked. They haven't dressed him since December 18th, um, so you know if the Staff won't play him. There's not really much you can do about it. Matt Calvert, 42 games played, 12 goals, 12 assists. He's easily on his way to 
career highs in offensive production. Some of that's his 15% shooting, but we also know that over the summer he spent a lot of time actually working on some of those like puck skills. So this is an exceeds expectations. This is an awesome for me. Matt Calvert has had a great year. And for the Avs to have success in the playoffs, he really needs to keep it up. Yeah, I think he's uh, quieted a, a little over the past couple weeks, but I agree with the production and just him having a little bit more of that puck skill, I think, helps him be more than just a skate fast, four-check hard kind of guy that he can get involved in the play in a bottom six role. And some of the production is going to slow down, but I, some of it is for real. And yeah, there's you can't be anything but happy with the season he's having. Yeah, I think the production slowed down a little bit lately, so it would be interesting to see sort of how that plays out um but that's definitely exceeded my expectations um i still think he's a little overrated as a penalty killer and again that could be system related if they do change the system up a little bit and go back to what they were doing towards the end of last year maybe he sort of gets into that beast mode again and, and helps fix the problem no well, he can definitely uh, play aggressive on the penalty kill so if they ever go back to that yeah um so I, I think he's still got upside as far as the penalty kill, and hopefully he can, you know, stay close to what he's been doing most of the year offensively. And you know, he, he's he's been impressive. Yeah, I also think Matt Calvert can play aggressive. In fact, I don't think he cannot play aggressive. <laughs> like someone taped his on switch in the on position. So when we said our players who played every single game, we missed one. You know who it is. We're in the M's, there's your clue. Is it Nieto? It's Matt Nieto. Really, every game, huh? How many of those 49 games did we know he was playing in? Seven goals, 12 assists. Uh, He's, you know, 19 points in 49 games. You know, fourth line role is fine, I guess. I'm going to have to go with the fail here, which, like you said, it's a fourth line role. You can't expect miracles here but i just think he looks slower to me i don't know if he's dealing with a current injury or if he had i think he had a couple pretty serious lower body injuries in his time with the abs and maybe that's taking a toll he is getting up up there 27 years old i just think he's been a pretty replacement level fourth liner and in his time with the Avs, he's been a good role player. He's even played more, you could say, third-line minutes. So this isn't like saying, I don't like Matt Nieto, but I don't think he's been Matt Nieto this year. I don't know. I mean, his offense <clears throat> doesn't have the assists he did last year, but his goals are way up. Like um, everyone. In, in less time, and he's not playing second-line minutes anymore. So, And that's nice. Everyone that's in the league's goals are way up is the thing. And then the Avs right. in particular. Like everyone not named Tyson Jost is probably going to get a positive for the production this year. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I tend to think he's one of the better penalty killers as far as ability. And that's not really showing up in the numbers. And again, that that's sort of a clue to me that there's some problems systemically. You know, theoretically, I, I think in a perfect PK system, Nieto and Calvert would be, at, you know, at least top three or maybe top two as far as your penalty killing dudes. 
and you know that that's not that's not been the case and whether that's just Nieto not being that great or the system or whatever you know remains to be seen but um you know we'll we'll see how that plays out i'd i'd give him a pass but he's definitely not sort of at the level he was when he was playing second line minutes with Carl Soderberg <laughs> well yeah, I'll, we can definitely agree here that he's kind of in a in a situation where he's meeting expectations but with, with a guy like Matt Nieto, I think the team around him has just grown so much that he doesn't really have a clear role if, if he's not, you know, a strong penalty killer, whether that's his fault yeah. or not. So, I mean, we can definitely expect, I think, the Avalanche to move on from him in the summer. And that's, you know, that's a pretty neutral thing. It's fine. He, he's been good with the team when he's when he's been around. Um, he, he's obviously been someone that Bednar can depend on. But some of the production's not there this year. Some of the, um, you know, some Did of the, say the energy not there this year. Yeah, the the energy is kind of what I'm what I'm getting at there a little bit. You you hope for a little bit more, but he also doesn't get a whole lot of opportunity to show a whole lot more. Yeah, and if the Abs were the kind of team that liked to rotate in younger guys, he'd definitely be a block. And I mean, he's not because they don't, but. <laughs> um, he's he's theoretically a block to to guys like Cout and Bowers. Yeah, conversation for another show. Yeah. Let's have the tough one. Miko Rantanen, thirty three games, fifteen goals, nineteen assists, which is thirty four points in thirty three games. So that is worth keeping in mind as we have this conversation. Yeah. He's also fifty six percent in the faceoff dot, which is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> What is the shooting percentage? 17.9. And I think he is going to be someone that's career is shooting percentage is going to shade a little higher. I 100% agree sure. with that because he passes up shots that aren't outstanding all the time. <laughs> yeah. Got a little time. I'm going to I'm going to give him a very marginal but pass. I think the production's just there. He has had some good moments, especially before he got injured. But he's hanging on. He's hanging on by a thread there. He's he. A lot of the things that I said about Landeskog, he has to be better. He can't. He's no-showed way too much lately. And like we talked about earlier, maybe there's an injury. I, you hate to give guys injury passes because you don't know. It's just a matter of of what you think is somebody just cannot execute the way that we know they can, and there has to be a reason for that. And um, yeah, and it just looks like he can't play his game the way he yeah, wants to. For sure. So all of that taken into account, like I said, is a very, very marginal pass, but I will pass him at this point. Yeah, one thing that's really stood out to me is that he's not either able or willing or doesn't get the opportunity to carry the puck as much as he did last year. And that was something that didn't show up on the scoreboard, but was something that he was very good at and I think really drove that top line. And it's it's definitely not happening as much now. Um, and that that's one reason that I have a concern about a, a hand injury. It's just it, a lot of things that... A lot of things that involve stick work and whatnot, he just doesn't seem able or it just doesn't do. 
this year. <clears throat> so, you know, the points are there. That's great. Um, he's okay on the the power play sometimes. I, I think the puck dies over on his side of the ice a lot. And again, why that is, I'm not exactly sure. I, I don't think it's because he's suddenly become dumb or unskilled on the power play. It just it seems like he's liquid Valium for that power play a lot of the time. So he's not suddenly a dumb baddie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's t- I, I really hate watching him go through a season like this because it's like. You just want to love the guy because he's got a great personality and a great smile, and it's just—I don't know—you don't see that. And he is such showing a good through player. as much. Yeah, he is such a good player. I mean, you want to just have him be your favorite player, and it—he's just not doing that much to to excite you anymore. And it, and it's not something that I think will continue, you know, like next year and the year after, yada yada yada. I mean, it just—I think this is. A tough year for him. Just gotta get through it, yeah. Mm -hmm. A tough point per game year. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to keep in mind that a lot of his production is just kind of hanging on from the beginning of the season, where he exploded out of the gate before he exploded his ankle. Um, And I I agree with with pretty much everything you all have said so far. A, A lot of those struggles that Miko has had... I mean, you hate to play the injury card, but a lot of it can really be chalked up to how to pretty severe ankle sprain and it takes ages to get back to normal from that even when you're good enough to play you may be 99 percent, but then that one percent falls out and you can't do shit for us for a shift it's and he's a guy that has those kind of balance and it just affects him so much yeah and when we saw him be so successful last season it was the, the whole you know Bambi thing was gone that he was skating with power he was holding guys off and able to physically will himself into plays with with an ankle injury that's not going to happen yeah so I, I do think this is a qualified pass which is hilarious that he has more than a point per game when we're looking at a qualified <laughs> pass um, but I I just feel like we have to set our expectations for this season for Ranton and realistically, given that he's had a high ankle sprain. It's just, it's so limiting for a hockey player, especially for one with his skill set. Yeah, I agree. Nathan McKinnon, 30 goals, 42 assists, 72 points. Awesome enough set. Awesome plus, 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 plus. I think he, I'm giving him an awesome for sure, but I do think that he along with the top line, needs to engage a bit more, which is crazy to say. But he is also part of the awesome first period, maybe not so much the other periods. And defensively, I don't think he's been like the best version of of himself. But certainly the production doesn't lie. He's having heart trophy season. Uh, he's the best player on the team, so definitely, it, even though expectations are sky high, he has exceeded them, but I still think he, he has more to give if they want to do things like win the cup and such, but. Yeah, I know this sounds insane, but his shot total is a little low. <laughs> it is you know, <laughs> almost five per game, but it you know he was around five uh, most of last year. So that's like dipped a little bit. 
maybe he's getting a little more quality. His shooting percentage is is you know nice and high, like you'd like it. Um, you know, he is part of the power play that's just dreadful, and you know, I I know he really wants it to be better, but you know, I, I don't know how much is on him and, and how much is on the awful coach. Yeah, let's let's, <clears throat> let's have that power play conversation real fast here. But, I mean, I have a thing I want to say. Um, the, the power play is just so designed around getting Nathan McKinnon the Ovi shot, but yeah. it does nothing to actually, you know, enable that Ovi shot, that it's, it's really easy for an opposing penalty kill to just shut that down. And so, right. like, it, it's hard to hold McKinnon responsible for his own failures on the power play because the power play does nothing to enable it. Like, you know, come up with other dangerous looks instead of shooting from the blue line. <laughs> yeah, that's that's supposed to be a weak side shot, and it's not because they pretty much know it's coming, so whatever side McKinnon's on is the strong side. So that's not going to work very well. Um, and, and Unless they get the def- defense moving, I guess you could make Miko more dangerous if that's possible once, you know, hopefully he gets a little bit stronger through this 11 days off or whatever, but... Um, it's it's really tough when you only have two or three plays and the other team knows what they are. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think he can execute it better. I'd like to see him maybe use his stature as a bona fide league wide superstar and maybe have some suggestions to do something different. But I don't know the relationship and yada yada yada. But he's got to be going crazy having to play on this power play <laughs> yeah he's so, nothing if not intense exactly and, and, the, and the problem is is that you know th- this is basically the power play where he's had his success over you know the resurgence if you can call it that of his career over the past three years i mean this is the power play that's worked and now it's not and that's got to be both confusing and conflicting for a player like McKinnon, where it's like, you know, I was getting lots of looks, lots of goals, and the team was having success with this, and now we're not. You know, I, I don't know what he could add and say, like, I, I doubt he's going to say, like, well, if, you know, if we went with this kind of formation and added these plays, I mean, it you know, it's like players, some of them are really into the coaching aspect, some of them aren't. I don't know if he is or not, so it's tough to say what players can add. He doesn't seem to be. He's, he seems to be much more into the... I wouldn't the... think so. <laughs> McKinnon's brain seems to be, give me the puck, I'm going to do something incredible with it. Right. So Nazem Kadri, 46 games, 17 goals, 14 assists. He's probably a little bit different than I expected, but I think he's met. he's solidly met expectations. I don't think he's he's been a good center on that second line, but I don't think he's I think he's had trouble finding chemistry with others, and I'm not going to say that's all on him. And I know that we've all, everyone has said it, we knew this for him, blah blah blah, but it, 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 it is over the halfway point at this point and if they're going to have continued success, they, he needs to find a line that works. And um, he's still a bit of a selfish player, and sometimes that's great. You want someone that wants to take over a line, wants to shoot the puck, carry the puck. 
But when other teams shut that down because they have the defense that can do that, there's really no answer from him or from that entire line. So um, I like that he plays on the edge. He has taken some dumb penalties, but I don't think he's taken like... A lot of people act like he's borderline dirty, and he, he so isn't. He's not taking like borderline penalties. He's just taking dumb ones. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think um, he gets a little psyched sometimes. I don't think he's been in the situation to, to take the dirty yet. Yeah, he hasn't gotten super, super, super angry yet. So we'll see when that happens. But I, I am overall happy with him. I'm glad they got him. I'm glad he signed for a couple more years. I don't think he's so good that just him existing solves all the problems. But that's not necessarily his fault. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm going with the solid pass. Yeah, I have a lot of yeah, concerns I mean, with that with that penalty minute number because he's got eighty nine penalty minutes, and that's just twice as many as as anybody else. It's yeah. extremely <laughs> high. Like he's yeah. he's got to take care of the stick. He's got almost three times more than Calvert. I mean, that says a lot. Um, you know, I I look at the assists being low, and he's obviously not a playmaker. Um, he's definitely just you know he he's he's a shooter, and that's what you want him doing. Um, I just, you know, I'd like to see a center be able to distribute when the shot isn't there a little more. So, and I, and I realize that just the, the abs in general aren't really a playmaking team outside of a, a couple of guys. So, you know, that, that's something that maybe, maybe won't happen this year, but I think, you know, once he has a full summer to you know, engage with the coaching staff and maybe they, you know, they, they put in some new offensive touches and whatever. That's something I'd, I'd like to see at least even out, you know, maybe slightly more assists than, than goals. Um, Cause I, I, I do think, I, I do think the opportunities are there, especially with Burkowski on his wing. Um, you know, Burkowski off, oh, oh, <clears throat> he has a great shot, something that can be used. So, um, but I think overall he's, he's, he's met my expectations. I think the assists can be excused to a small degree just by looking at yeah. the six or seven weeks he played in the fall with a, on a line of guy, Kadri guy, because Landis yeah. and Rantanen were both out. So all of his scoring line mates were playing with McKinnon. Well, it's just, we're not really used to having a center. That's that, that kind of guy that's just a pure shooter. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually that's a wing. Um, you know, Mac is kind of that guy, but he just, you know, he scores so much that, you know, the assists are there as well. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd almost say for McKinnon, I'd like to see some more assists from him too. He he could make some more plays. That's yeah. that's true. He, he could. But I, I just, I think they're limited a lot by what they have to work with as far as the system in the offensive zone. Yeah. I, it's, it's just, it's a shoot crash the net kind of system. So it's, uh, assists aren't really a big deal there. They would be if, if McKinnon would recognize, hey, this is a real low, low percentage shot. And instead of going for the glove, kind of go for the pads. And now whoever's crashing has a half open net to look at. Anyway, I agree with the. You know, reasonably strong pass, but we're not just like over the moon with uh, with Kadri's first half season. It's definitely some things we'd like to see more from. Yeah. Um, Nikita Zadorov, who has seen the offense completely disappear this year, 45 games played, two goals, seven assists. The, the penalty minutes are down to 49, which we like to see that. Um, 
for me, I feel like Zadorov has had um, just an interesting season. Like where he, he had about a, a month, maybe a month and a half, where he was awesome. And outside of that, most of the time, he's been, I'd say, good enough. So for me, this is a pass. Yeah, I pass him too. He's a tough one because, like you said, that he, he seems to be more inconsistent, but they also seem to lose trust in him so fast. They give him a role. Even the media jumped on it. The whole, like, Sidorov's against the top forward. He's the shutdown guy. And everything was great and wonderful. And it lasted, like, a week. And then he's not that anymore. And it's like, why, why not? <laughs> and it, he's the one that gets the tough love. And to a certain extent, you understand that. But he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's basically a veteran now. He's seasoned. He's at multiple years, over 300 NHL games. It's... He kind of is what he is at this point, and it's not perfect, and he has his flaws, and he has brain farts, but it's just so obvious. When you give him the minutes, if you give him a, dire a direction, if you tell him to cover this player, he takes ownership of that. He does it well, and I don't know why they move away from that so quickly, and... And, and like you said, the, the production is not good this year. That's even though we know that he's not, he hasn't been a big point producer. You can't have that low at this point. Like he's not really a playmaker. So you have to look at, he has to chip in some more goals and he hasn't been. Of course, they took a goal away from him because of course, take away Zdorov's goal. I think that happened a couple years ago too. And um, I think it happened repeatedly when he was trying to score his first goal with the Avs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a whole it's thing. funny that Cole and Graves have all the production and like EJ and Zadorov don't. It's, a, it's almost like for some reason it's just working out to where Cole and Graves get it and EJ and Zadorov get shortchanged. And so I think Zadorov can be better, but I also feel like he's met my expectations. Maybe he hasn't met theirs. But Zadorov has done some good things this season. He has cut down on the dumb penalties, too. And like you said, when he, he's on, he's been awesome. He's had some really, really excellent games. It's just a shame they're so few and far between. I'm going to give him a fail, and it, it, it kind of hurts to do it, but you know, he basically lost his job to Ryan Graves. Um, and I, I know part of that is, is probably just sort of coach's perception or coach's desires or whatever, but, um, you know, that's tough. I, I, think, I think he probably had the opportunity to gain that spot and perhaps stay long-term with the team, but at this point, that's, that's really not there. And as far as his production, it's not, I don't think it's all that bad. Like, his goal scoring is down from last year. He has the same number of assists as he had all last year, so... You know, when you have so few, I think it's pretty random. But uh, he has more points than Kamenev and uh, Barbario and Colin Wilson. I mean, he had 14 points all last year, so I mean, he's got nine now. So I mean, he might he might end up getting better than that. I, I don't think it's going to matter much in the in the long run. But um, I I think the thing for me is he's basically gone from a top four defenseman to perhaps the sixth at this point, probably the sixth. And, you know, again, I don't know how much of that is on him and how much of that is just the whims of the coaching staff, but um, 
you know, but that's a big demotion. So I, I don't think you can pass a guy for that. Pierre-Edouard Belmar has played 48 of the 49 games. He's got seven goals, 11 assists. He's kept himself out of the penalty box to a pretty good degree. And his face-offs, which were very poor to begin the season, have normalized. He's back to the 50% area. He's really... He's he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Obviously, 18 points is probably... A, a higher pace than he's been at lately. Um, he's got a little bit bigger role than he had in, in Vegas. So that's probably some of it. But, um, you know, when, when you hear you're signing an older gentleman like him and it's for two years, you're kind of dreading it. But, um, you know, I, I'm glad they did it. And I, I think he plays his role well. Yeah, I think part of it is expectations were so low that yeah. any kind of decent play puts him into a pass. And I'll say pass because he's been good in his role. They need kind of that true bottom six center, and then they leave him in that role. And um, he hasn't been as good as he was at the beginning of the year, but knowing that he can for sure score against Vegas definitely counts. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, they need and, him to be better on the penalty kill. I think. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to add. Is it? I I think you can say this with just about anyone really. Is that he needs to be better on the pen, penalty kill? Again, whether a tweak of the system can make that happen remains to be seen. Hopefully, they do something like that in the next month or so. Yeah, I mean, Belmar really suffered in the in the fan eye from the conflation with contract and actual on ice play. Because we yeah. all we saw that contract and went, ugh. And yeah. that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he was always going to be a perfectly serviceable player. I, I think he's definitely like met my expectations pretty much dead on um, in, yeah. the, in the overall. Obviously, we didn't expect him to come out of the gate and to start scoring goals like crazy. And we knew that was going to slow down, and it did. Um, but he's really suffered a lot from what fans expected someone with a contract they didn't like to play like. Can y'all quit yeah. whining, please? Yeah. Um, I was I was all set to hate... I mean, I've always liked him as a player. I didn't think he was going to be able to do something like play a third-line role. Uh, and honestly, that that's really what it is. So... You know, that's fairly impressive just given his age and, and how he's been used with other teams. So, yeah, good on him. Ryan Graves. He might have already met, oh, I was just going to say, he might have already met his point quota, but he might have. Ryan Graves <laughs> is another one who probably has already met his point quota. 48 games, 8 goals, 11 assists. He has been in the, in the box a little bit. 35 penalty minutes is an extraordinary. 8% shooting, that's pretty high for that guy. He's definitely exceeded all expectation. So I'll give him a pat, a strong pass. I don't know if I'm going to get into the awesome territory because it still feels a little bit like a mirage. But he's he's taken his role. He's contributed. I, playing with Makar certainly helps, but it's also credit to him that he's stuck with Makar, which I I guess you could say it was a negative for Zadorov that for whatever reason he couldn't stick with Makar. 
and Graves has. So I don't know how long that's going to continue. But for now, I guess he's like a legitimate top four defenseman on this team, which that kind of changes a lot of things. But we'll see how long that really continues. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely impressive that a guy you weren't really sure if he was going to make the team or not ends up in your top four before Christmas. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on here. I, I think he does things that probably on other teams wouldn't get him these opportunities, but that, you know, this staff is kind of into what he does. Um, the big shot from the point is something, uh, for whatever reason, they seem to lust after. And, and you know, I, I, he's got the best one on the team. It's <clears throat> um, a low bar. It is a low bar, and but you know it's something they feel they need, and he fulfills that. Um, my my big gripe with him, and it it really doesn't have anything to do with him, is that I I do think that he's a little cannibalistic as far as his play with Makar. I, I think that what he does sort of takes the puck out of Makar's hands a little bit, and I'm not wild about that, and. I, I don't know if overall that's a negative. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It, it's it's impossible to say, but it just it you get the feeling that there are times when Makar is there to support Graves taking point shots, and that's just not a great feeling to have. I've noticed that too. Like Graves is the one that ends up carrying the puck, and it's like I don't know if you want it to work out that way. Right, and I made this point in my article the other day. Like, would you rather have Nikita Zadorov supporting Kale McCarr being creative with the puck, or Kale McCarr supporting Ryan Graves taking point shots? And I know it's not that black and white, but it just that's that's kind of the you know that that's kind of what I'm weighing here. It, it just I, I'm not that comfortable with it. I don't have much to add there, other than just to say I feel like Graves has been completely dismal on the penalty kill. From the team's perspective, he's been absolutely found money. He's an easy pass, um, but I am definitely on team. This looks like a contract mistake level mirage, so that I don't want to get into awesome territory either. I see. I don't think so because I I I don't think there's any way that it goes beyond a year. Oh no! I think he's getting more than a year. I, I don't see how they could because, I mean, he really only has one year to go on. And if you're Graves, like, people are saying, oh, he's going to get the holding contract. Like, if you're Graves, why would you take less than, like, what Cole's making, basically, if you're going to take a long-term deal? Now, the, because... We're talking about the term with that and, and the salary, like, cap percentage, not the actual number. Well, right, yeah, I, I, I mean, he has holding... to make more than Zadorov. He took his job, so it's just, I mean... Unless the Avs are willing to offer like four years, three and a half, which, you know, I, I don't know why they would. But <laughs> I maybe mean, they do. he's not he's not car. He's not someone where you know he's going to score and keep, and grow that point total. This is a point total this year that you're going to take that and run. You're going to want to cash in on that. Plus, he has two RFA years left. Like he is the same draft age. And draft year is Zadorov. He has two RFA years left. So that's what you... I'm saying. If you if you do a one year deal this summer, then you know both sides are going to know basically where they're at. Hmm. They're going to want. I, gets... <laughs> I mean, his kid's going to want term. I mean, 
if you're not cashing in on the season that you got to be paired with Kale McCarr. Yeah, but why would the Avs do that? I mean, you'd be nuts to offer better. a long-term deal for a guy doing this for one year. I, mean, come well, I don't on. think he's getting a seven-year <laughs> deal, but like a three-year deal? Absolutely. Yep. I'd, oh, uh, man. We'll see. <laughs> Sam Girard has played in all 49 games, has a single solitary goal, and 25 assists, which seems new for for his career to have that many assists. Um I I'll go first on this one where I have Sam in kind of an uneasy pass kind of area because he's he's really struggled through a lot of this season, but he came on so strong after Christmas and is playing so well that, it, that it's like okay, this guy's figured it out now. We're we're back to normal. Well, wow, so to no one's surprise, I'm going to go more of like a pass plus because I think he's had a huge role this year. He he plays the most even strength minutes by like a full minute over anybody else. And so he's out there all the time against top competition. Like he's probably a big reason why they're a good, such a good five on five team. And so I think when he had like, yeah, he legitimately had probably like two weeks where he probably lost some confidence, was making too many turnovers. But that was also the, the two weeks that the forwards completely decided to stop helping. And so I think he's been solid defensively on balance. And then when you add on top of his production revelation the past month or so, and I, I doubt he's going to be a 10-point-a-week guy moving <laughs> forward. but <laughs> We can hope. Um, but Don't I think, think he's figured... I think he's got received some points in arrears that he was he that he should have had points on certain plays that it's just crazy that it just bounces off somebody takes his assist away. So I think he's gotten a little karma there, and then I think he's figured out a little bit of chemistry with certain players. Looks like Kadri is one of them, which that that would be a nice match. And he's shooting from the point a lot, which I'm sure they love that. And getting a shot through a little bit better, and I think I think still he is a player that makes them better, like a full step better that he's on the team. So I think you have to give that a pass plus. Yeah, I that's that's where I'm at. Um, I, I agree. I think it was a little longer than two weeks when he was struggling, um, and it, I, I don't think it was all on him and. You know, it was it was more related to team troubles. Sort of, when Sam sneezes, the team gets a cold sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> but you look at the amount of shifts the defensemen play; he's far and away above everyone else on that. And that just says the the staff really trust him in a lot of situations. And you know, obviously, one day uh, Makar should be right up there with him, or, or perhaps even beyond that. So, it's 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 nice to see him be a key, and it's just it's funny when you look back to when he was acquired, and people are looking at this scrawny little French Canadian guy, and you're just like, I mean, he's got skills. What do we do with him? And here we are. He's a top pairing defenseman. He's solid defensively. He's figured the offense out lately, and you know, he, he could be part of something special along with Makar and Byram. And that's, I don't know. It's, it's just fantastic to think about for me. All right. Well, let's piss off at least a third of the listeners. <laughs> Tyson Joe. Oh, 
46 games played, 5 goals, 10 assists. Who wants to jump on I, the grenade first? Because I'll do it if y'all don't want to. I, I'm fine doing it. I, he's going to have to be a fail. And it's unfortunate. I don't like to make everything about points. But what they've set him up in is he has no other role. Like, he's not a penalty killer. He's not on, like, a defensive specialist line. He's not where you can say, hey, he brings so many of these other things. They've kind of set, they've always set him up since the beginning of his career with the Avs that he needs to produce. And I think it has been a lot of pressure and he's not a second line type, but I think he has, he has the talent to give more. And so part of it is a role problem, but you can also say he hasn't earned anything else. He's better at center. And as I've argued a lot that they don't see young guys as centers, they're Belmare, Kadri, McKinnon, and then the fourth line. And I don't see that changing. And so that doesn't give him much opportunity at center. Then, then they put him at wing. He's not as effective. The speed becomes a problem. It's, um, and the expectations have been lowered, but you have to figure that he would be a bigger contributor than he's been. And it's disappointing. And the good thing is, is that he doesn't hurt the team. He's, He's, he holds his own defensively. He can get in on the four check. Sometimes he does make nice plays. But it really feels like somebody that needs a fresh start. I I have a tough time failing him just because it, it's hard to know how much is, of this is self-inflicted. And when, when I look at Joost, I think a lot of his problems are, are speed-related. Just He's not able to create space. He's not big enough to create space physically. And his speed isn't there to create it with that. So I, I think that's where a lot of his struggles to produce come from. But it's like, all right, he's got 15 points in 46 games. You know, a point every three games. And that's not bad, especially for a fourth liner. Is it the expectations are he should be on the second line by now? Um you know, I don't think they set him up to be that over the summer. I, I think he was always going to be a bottom six guy. So it sucks they don't have a young guy third line. But well, they I mean, just it's won't. I mean, he's playing sometimes with Kamenev and Comfer. You know, I mean that that that's that's the line we hate just because it's just sort of all right. These guys are the three extras, so we'll just put them together. Um, you know, I, I think the part we hate is that there's. You know, the fourth line is the third line, and the fourth line is just extra guys, and it doesn't have a role like you talked about. And it's it's it's. I think it's tough for a guy to go out there, and and the coaching staff are basically like, just yeah, go, you know, do your stuff. You know, it's not but like he's... go out there and match up against these guys and win your battles, and you know, shut down this guy or that guy or whatever. I mean, it's. But he's also had so much opportunity. I mean, he's up over 200 NHL games played if you add in the playoffs. If you don't, I mean, if you go back over the, the past couple of years, yeah. I mean, but just just evaluating this year, but I don't think year, the like, staff had any expectations for him, and he's you know he's generally satisfied that. But he played <laughs> on a. If we're talking about this year, he's played on higher lines when when Landeskog and Rantanen were out, like he was tried on the top line. He was tried on the second line. He was tried with every everyone else. So it's not it's not like he's 
just been a fourth liner like Kamenev. Like he's he's moved around, and it still yeah. hasn't happened for him. Yeah, but I just I, I don't think the staff and management's expectations for him were anything more than fourth line. I I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I, I mean they I we, they went out. Well, they went out and bought a second line, so they obviously didn't think he was going to be a top sixer. But then they went out and bought a fourth liner in in Belmar. That, that yeah, leaves Jost on your third line, not getting seven minutes a night. I think they've given him so much opportunity. I mean, they have given him way more than any other player gets. Oh, they definitely have. But it's, I mean, given what they what they give him on a nightly basis is ten minutes or whatever. Um, you know, is 15 points in, in 46 games bad? I do, yeah, <laughs> for a forward, yeah. For me with Jost, I think that we're kind of on like a low end pass, but this is your last chance kind of situation for me. Like he had a hat trick, which was amazing. And he scored two goals outside <laughs> of that game, which isn't quite so amazing. Um, yeah. People like to tell you how young he is. He's 21. Right? Yes. And I, and I think we kind of tend to underestimate where the age curve comes into play. Especially now, players are having massive impacts younger than they ever have. Like, 21, for, it, it's time. But if you're going to do anything, let's see it. But my expectations me, are just lower. So yeah. that, that's where it's a kind of a qualified pass-ish. But if, if nothing ever changes, then it's like, okay, we got we got to move on. And just think real at the end of the day, he's just a bad fit with the Avalanche. I think so too. I I think when people bring up his age, I think he he could still have time for a fresh start. Totally. But I I think with the Avs, unless a significant role change happens, then I I just don't see where he's going to gain the traction. And for me, the age isn't so important as the pro experience. I really believe when you start playing pro, the clock starts fair or not. But it does. And so when you say, but he's only 21, I say he's played 200 NHL games. So that's just as big of a factor to me. And, and, well, and when I say that's he's a conversation a, we could have had about Ryan O'Reilly, too, though. I think when I say that he's a poor fit for the Avalanche, it's not something that they can change with a role. Um, it's just a lot of the, a lot of the team play is based on speed which he has none of and there's there's one play that he does a lot the old duchene play where he comes takes the puck from the corner and drives to the net and tries to go around the defenseman and, and you know slip it through the five hole or whatever and it's just he's not fast enough to do it and you know he looks good doing it it almost works every time but it never works um <laughs> And it just I, I I don't think with the way that the Avalanche play right now that he's ever gonna have enough success to be more than, than what he is right now. Yeah. I think that's a super fair assessment. Uh I'm I'm definitely willing to give it the rest of this season before I say that we're there. Um but it it, it looks like that's the direction that we're trending. Yeah. So, Tyson Joe's fans, you can get at Burgundy Radio on Twitter and get yourself muted. Valeria Chushkin, <laughs> in 44 games this season, has 8 goals, 9 assists, and that's 17 points that we didn't really expect he was ever going to have. 
He's not good enough to earn an awesome, but boy, this is an easy exceeds expectations. And yeah, and on the defensive <laughs> side of the game, like let's get Valerian Natushkin on the penalty kill, please. Can we try that? Oh yeah. I might even shade into awesome, and I understand. Yes, part of it is that expectations were absolutely zero to negative. But yeah. <laughs> so, so I get that. Like anything, and wanting him to even dress would probably put him in the past category. But I think he's been better than that, and I think a lot of it is what Jost isn't doing. Is he has a role. Plays it well. He seems to make his line mates better in that kind of role. He's a good defensive player, not just the penalty kill, but he's tops in the team on things like Corsi 4 percentage, expected goal percentage, high danger Corsi 4 percentage. So things are happening when he's on the ice. Maybe it's because he's enormous and he takes the goalie's eyes away. He creates chaos, but he forechecks well. He actually plays smart. And he's managed to chip in here and there. Now, little hot streak, it probably wasn't going to continue, but he's continued chipping in about every two to three games. And he looks like somebody that could hang around for maybe even longer than a little while. So I think being more than just, I think he's been more than just decent. So for me, that gets into the awesome. But he definitely has to work to keep there. For me, it's, he had that hot streak. 100% it was a hot streak. Uh, no disagreement. But it's not like he played differently during that streak than he had the month prior or then that he's played different since. Like He didn't come out of nowhere, score a, a goal every game for two weeks, and then disappear again. <laughs> like Copper. Right. <laughs> like, like he's earned every bit of what he's got this year. And maybe even a little better. Yeah. yeah, you still wonder ultimately where the skill level is, where that the move he loves to make isn't always going to work, but when you're playing Martin Jones, it does. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and his defensive I, impacts just, just, again, are so much better than anybody expected. Right, I think that's, that's the key, especially if you're comparing him to you know Jost or Comfer. It's like he can actually back up his offensive play, whether it's on or off, he's able to make up with his defensive play if he's not having the greatest offensive game. And, you know, that's just something that those guys can't. Um, and, and I think that's what makes it easier for him to stick higher in the lineup than, than those guys generally do. Vlad Kamenev has 23 games, and he's managed six points in those 23 games. He... With the amount of struggles the team had this year with injuries and having to call up players from the Eagles and expanding roles for everybody, uh, you, you would you would hope that if Kamenev was going to take the step and earn a spot, that was going to be his chance to do it, and it didn't happen. So This one's really hard for me to say pass or fail because on one hand, I feel like if you're failing Jost, you have to fail Kamenev, but on the other hand, it's like he just he is the 13th forward. He hasn't played that much. I've liked when he's stepped in, he's been able to produce right away. Like, he's not somebody where it's like he's missed three weeks. He's going to need at least five games or more to find a point. Like, several times he's jumped in within the first one or two games. He's able to generate an assist. So I feel like 
from a production standpoint, it's actually been pretty good for him. It's just, is he ever going to roll? Bedner says he likes some of the things he's done, and he's another guy that's not a fit for the abs. He plays a smarter, more deliberate <laughs> game. He, play, he does. The abs, I mean, let's be honest. The abs, if a guy's <laughs> smart, it's a bonus, but smart is or not. not. <laughs> <laughs> the avalanche. <laughs> the smart is not the number one characteristic of an avalanche player. Let's be honest. So, if someone <laughs> let's like, be if real. Someone like <laughs> Sam or Makar or Miko could add intelligence to what they do. That makes them even better. But they're not here on intelligence alone. And I think when someone like Kamenev brings that to the table, and that's one of his higher attributes, then it's tough for the Avs to find the good in the other parts of his game. I think this is also going to be the Martin Kaut problem, is he's too smart for the Avs. And he's too, they're too deliberate. They play more of a methodical game. And it's just something that Bednar's never going to fall in love with. Like, it can have had some really good play. I think especially in the Dallas game this week, he had some really awesome moments, but he didn't score any goals from them. And I think that's just going to kind of be the Kamenev story. Is it looks good, things are happening, but how do you get from point A to point B? How do you get from, he looks good, he does a few good things, to like a real player on this team moving forward? I, Jerry Ben and I was talking about Kamenev the other day, and I tend to agree with what he said. Throughout most of the fall, that he didn't really like his game that much, uh, but lately he's been showing sort of signs of, of being able to hang. And I do agree with that. I, I think a lot of his game, you're right, it's deliberate and not in a good way. <clears throat> um, I mean, a lot of the fall, when you did notice Kamenev, he was usually losing a puck battle or just not being able to create space in any way. And that's just tough. I mean, he, he he's not a he's not a fast guy. He's a decent skater, but he's not real fast. Um, you know, he does have to use his smarts to create space, and I think he's been doing that a little more lately. And it's it's good to show that that's possible. Um I I I think he's a guy that's that's running out of time, and I, I don't think he's got enough to really show enough to 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 stay long term. Um, and that's why I fail him is he he's had opportunities to earn that spot, and he just hasn't done it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit, it's a little too late, but. Um, yeah, I'm really. You know, I, I'm not sure how much is there. I'm not sure if he's much more than we're seeing, but. You know, again, I, I think with Joe's, the, the the things we're looking at here is a team that plays a little more deliberately and is, is not sort of a wide-open style most of the time might be a better fit for Kamenov, so... Um, yeah, I, just, I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't see him fitting in with the Avs long-term. I'm really on the fence of pass-fail. I think I'm half-hearted either way, but... Because I'd like to say I didn't really expect more, but he definitely has more to give. And so I'll give it a half-hearted fail. You'll give it a fa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's do this quickly because that segment took a bit longer than I thought it would. Actually, the the game segment took longer than I thought it would. Um, 
Pavel Frensos, the new backup goaltender. He has played in 20 of the 49 games. He started 18. The 29-18 split, I think that's about what we were kind of expecting, right? To get you sort of on a 55-30 kind of path. Yeah. Um, he's won 12 of those games with a 9.24 save percentage. Pavel Frensos. Pass for sure. I think if you look at some of his goalie fancy stats, goals save above average and quality starts. He's one of the better goaltenders in the league, and his his record's good, which I know is a really terrible way to to evaluate a goaltender. Whether he tends to get the easy games or the goalie support, but he does tend to win games. He's so. definitely very strong in those special numbers relative to <laughs> other backups. What I'll say, and um. He's been good. He's been good. I'm not going to go into awesome, but uh, when Grubauer went down with a couple injuries, I think he stepped up. He's he has been a really solid goaltender, and he's been good enough to be a starter. That's a different conversation, but especially given his role, I think he's been a pretty strong pass. Yeah, I'd give him a very strong pass as well. Um, I. I think that he's stayed in the conversation, at least in fans' eyes, as, as you know, who is the best goal, goaltender on the Avs. Um, you know, the fact that we're still having conversations like that at this point is is interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure he could take over a starter's role. Um, he seemed to do okay with it at times uh, when Gruby was injured. So, uh, I, I think the goalie conversation is something we have often and that's basically because it's up in the air a lot between both guys. I think he's been a little bit above good enough, which is an easy pass, but I agree with not going all the way to awesome because of some of the conversations we've been having lately. Like if, if he had continued the streak he was on through November, it would have been an easy, awesome, especially relative to expectations. Philip Grubauer yeah. has got 29 starts, won 14 of them. His save percentage is at a 9-10 overall. This one's really tough for me, and I think I'm going to have the hot take, and I'm going to go with a marginal fail, half-hearted fail. But You're, you're going to get the pho again? Yeah. And, um, well, that works, because I'll give him the ill. We can, we can <laughs> combine for one... We can each combine at one half fail. Okay, because... He has been injured, which you don't really want to fault anyone for, but it hasn't helped this season. And just the numbers haven't been good enough, and and we've talked about, we recognize the team falling apart in front of him doesn't help, but he just hasn't been good enough. And I think that's kind of been the mark of a fail through this conversation, is we recognize they still do good things, and we're glad we have them, but if they haven't been good enough... They can't get a pass. And I think he can give more. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I don't have a whole lot to add to it. Um, it's just, he's just like, there's always excuses to be made on basically everything that's not a complete and total howler. And and Grubauer has a, a high save percentage in the, relative to other goalies in the low danger areas. So what it comes down to is a, in the aggregate, the results are just not quite there yeah that's where i am i i tend to blame goalies less than most people uh, but 
I, I, the disturbing thing about Grubauer for me, and maybe this is just part of the, the culture he came from, is, is sort of blaming the players in front of him a lot publicly. Um, that's, that's just not cool in North America. Um, uh, maybe someone should tell him. Um, <laughs> yeah, tell Mike while you're at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think he, he, he'd be a really good backup. I'm not sure he's a good enough starter to take the abs where they need to go with the rest of the team that they have. And that's, you yeah, know, I'd like, do I'd they like... need a really good goalie? Do they need a carry price in his prime type of guy? No, I don't think so. They need an Osgood. Um, well, let's shoot higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we'll maybe a quick at least. <laughs> so that runs down the whole roster, um, which got pretty in-depth on a couple of guys, and there's a couple of guys you don't need to get into a lot of depth on because the answers are pretty clear and obvious. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. I clipped that out of a much longer conversation, so the there's not exactly a real fluid outro from that conversation, so I'm just kind of here to let you down a little bit more smoothly and easily. Hey, what's up? Head up, Dirty Areas. See you all the week after next, and then after that we'll be back on to that every week grind. Catch you later.